Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that I refuse to use, no doubt, starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for November the 1st. In the year of our Lord, 2021, this is our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law, the land, the Constitution for the United States of America. That is our guide. And absolutely, we're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by our founding fathers, one of the great peaceful restorative solutions we have at our fingertips as you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live. A quick recap of Saturday's show ought to suffice. Man, we had three incredible guests for the Weekend Act Conference first hour. First one, Patricia Kent, founder and board member of Liberty Action Coalition. Educate to liberate, she says. LibertyGuardians.us is one of their websites. LibertyActionCoalition.us is the other one. And uh, it's really, really critical. They're saying, hey, we have got to take back the schools. And I appreciate Patricia's point, and I agree for the most part. But you know what? You've got to just take your kids out of the schools. None of this protesting and going to school boards and being called a terrorist by your government and all this stuff. Just take your kids out and say, you know what? You can call me a terrorist government, media, you out-of-control thugs, but I'm just going to take my kids out. God gave me my children, and I will not let you lord over them in such a satanic, godless way. We're not doing that around here. Thank you, goodbye. And if enough parents did that, even 20%, 15%, 10%, if a significant number of parents in the millions did that, instantly the con game would be over. Okay. The godless government bureaucrats lording over your children, teaching them dishonest, critical race theory, immoral sexual, uh, whatever you want to call it. They say it's education. I don't even call it education. Perversion. Okay? The con game would be over. You'd simply say, you're not doing that to my kid. Thank you. Goodbye. Then the government schools would absolutely fail and go away and would break ourselves free of the 10th plank of the communist manifesto. That's what it is, okay? So I don't understand why these parents just riot and rage, and then the government calls them terrorists, and then they have this battle. You know what? Just get, just just jettison the battle altogether. Just say we will not let godless institutions run amok in our country and run amok lording over and educating and, and indoctrinating our children's minds. We're not doing that anymore. Thank you. So anyway, I appreciate the efforts and any efforts uh, – to help the government schools fly rider, I guess, to some degree, good efforts. But you know what? They're not too good of efforts to me because at some point you prop up the very godless system that you pretend to reject. So if you keep your kids in and say, well, we're going to beat on the school board and make it fly right, all you're doing is making communist schools try to fly right. If it wasn't for good people like you all in it, then it might fail on its own, uh, under its own weight anyway. So it's to some degree you're propping up your own demise when you work within that system. Ladies and gentlemen, jettison it ASAP, would you please? I beg you, I beg you to get your kids out of the government sex indoctrination cesspool. 
the indoctrination of dishonesty, dividing Americans left and right, indoctrinating them and inculcating them into all kinds of godless theories. Wow, I don't even know where to go with this except to say, you know what, wake up already, get it done. Our second guest on, we had Seth Keschel doing a great job. He's a strategic analyst with a group called America's Project, building a support and empowerment network of and for pro-freedom organizations, businesses, and individuals, powering the people to save America. AmericaProject.com, great interview. Seth Keschel was with us. We also talked to David Clements. Don't lie. The election was indeed stolen. Amen to that reality check. He also talked about critical race theory must be rejected. Theprofessorsrecord.com is the website for Professor David Clements doing a phenomenal job. So we had on three just incredible guests. Um, and then the second hour, Liberty Roundtable Live, we had on John Harvey, a fourth incredible guest from the conference. And John Harvey is Utah State Director of Blexit Utah. He says, I'm not a black American. I'm an American. Amen to that reality check. The late Lloyd Marcus, dear friend of mine too, singer for Liberty, etc., used to say, I'm an unhyphenated American. Well, that's the same principle John's getting around here or getting at right here when he says, hey, I'm not a black American. I'm just an American. Oh, I happen to be black, but that's, <laughs> that's not, you know, I don't identify as a black first American second. I'm an American. And I think we all should have that attitude. Blexit.com for the website for John. Uh, he also does what's called the Modern Conservative Podcast. Check it out. He's been around for quite a while doing a great job. He's lived in Idaho for a long time and Utah for a long time. And he doesn't believe we're all racists, ladies and gentlemen. He believes white people have been very kind to him. He's experienced racism, but he believes with tenacity and kindness and Hard work, you can overcome it. And boy, howdy, did he tell a story about getting an $80,000 check that he turned down to highlight that reality. Yeah, he was discriminated against. And once they realized what kind of a discriminatory reality he experienced, they, they tried to write him a check. And he said, you know, normally I'd love that check, but not under those circumstances. No, thank you. I'll work hard and I'll earn my money on my own merits. What a real man. What, a, what an example, ladies and gentlemen. We also talked about the state of Florida sued the Biden administration and NASA over their coronavirus vaccine mandate for federal contractors. Ron DeSantis doing a great, great job. Ron DeSantis made the announcement at a news conference uh, last Thursday morning where he described the mandate for federal contractors as heavy-handed and an overreach by the federal government amen to that ron's right and i pray for florida i'm glad they have such a good governor that's standing up and doing a pretty dang good job now the question is will he take on trump in 24 or will he step back and let the good old boys let trump run first what, what's going to happen there don't know we will keep an eye on that ball just for you and i might clearly add <laughs> ron DeSantis is a great guy but you know i'm afraid that once ron uh, gets out of office I'm afraid that if you're not very careful, we know we think that Florida is a bastion of freedom now, and I pray that it remains so. But there's a lot of big money and a lot of liberals coming down there. And I don't know what you call those folks, but whatever they do, they come down to the south and 
you know, they got a lot of money and a lot of influence. If you're not very careful, um, although uh, Florida is a bastion of liberty now because of DeSantis and a few people, if you're not very careful, it could turn and Florida could become a very, very liberal state in a hurry. I pray it doesn't happen. But it would be against the general people's will. I know that as well. Uh, but a few can, you know, I, I look at um, Montana, and it's a state like that. Wyoming is kind of a state like that. Great, great conservative people on the ground, but the liberals have come in with big money. Plenty of influence as well. So be very wary of that. Which was worse, by the way, we asked John, 2020 or 2021? He says the answer is 2022. Amen to that. He says, why? Because they're on a bender to take away your liberties. And if we let them, 22 will be the worst year of all. Sad but true. We ask ourselves what the scariest thing is about the federal government today. And... um, I mentioned that I think the scariest thing about our government today, ladies and gentlemen, is the fact that most Americans are still not engaged. They're still entertained with, you know, bread and circus. All right. The most scary thing about America, in my opinion, is that the American people still are not engaged and don't know what's going on for the most part. They don't realize that, hey, the evil cabal, the deep state, whatever term you want to use, shadow government, they are going for broke to create a reset. When I say reset, I mean everything. Morals, finances, the great reset. And most Americans aren't realizing the precipice we're on. And that's the scariest thing about America today. Uh, Lowell Nelson, campaign for liberty.org. Welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live. Sir, welcome back. Well, thanks for having me back, Sam. Appreciate you. I was doing a quick recap of Saturday's broadcast. At the end of the hour uh, on Saturday, we were talking about uh, which was worse 21 or 20 and the answer we came up with is 22 because the future doesn't look bright unless americans start to stand up and then we said what was the most scary thing about government today that you can think of and my answer was that the people in the united states are simply not engaged lol they're not aware of the freight train of coming they're not caught up on on what precipice we sit on in america that are crossroads or whatever rubicon whatever you want to use for it what would your answer be yeah, very similar to that, Sam. Certainly, they, I think more people than ever before are waking up because of the, the shackles are tightening, so to speak, and that's, that's, be, that's beginning to waken a lot of people. I find that encouraging, but, um, you know, the very last um, uh, article that uh, I, I, I looked at last night and, and prepared to discuss this morning was about this, this very thing, about the official enemy of the state and what the state's going to do about it, right? I mean, they want to propose a problem and, and then propose a solution to that problem. It's this um, a Hegelian dialectic where they, they uh, propose, you know, they, they create the problem, they, 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 they create the proposal to solution, a solution for the problem, and then they uh, synthesize or compromise in some in-between state, basically create this new normal. The Great Reset is what they're after, and uh, whether we're going to be able to stop the Great Reset, that's the big question. It's going to take a lot of determined people like you and me, Sam. We just need more people. Away. No no doubt about it. The Weekend Act Conference brought those people to the forefront. I'll tell you that right now. We'll talk about that a little bit. We'll also talk about the incredible event about critical race theory that was just had uh, last Thursday evening as well with Lowell Nelson in seconds on your radio. Why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? 
Anybody better having a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's going to do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt, and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems at all times and in all places is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids. Back with you live, Lowell Nelson, Campaign for Liberty.org, doing a phenomenal job. So C.L. Bryant is a co-host, or I'm sorry, is a host on this radio network, LovingLiberty.net. I do my show, Beth Ann Schoenberg does her show, and then C.L. Bryant takes to the airwaves two hours a day, Monday through Friday. He's on Red State Radio as well. He's all over the place. He used to work and be with the uh, NAACP for a long time, and now he's a Freedom Works doing a great job spelling out liberty everywhere, traveling, speaking. He's a senior fellow uh, at that organization. Uh, so he was in Utah, but he literally came back a week later, Lowell. <laughs> he sure did. And it was a treat to have him. Uh, he, along with a dozen other speakers, uh, talk about uh, critical race theory uh, here in our public schools. Uh, uh, Nathan Osmond was there to sing uh, several rousing, inspiring musical numbers. We had uh, a couple of students, one in middle school, one in college, uh, talk about the impact of CRT in the classroom and its impact on them and, and those around them. Essentially, they felt very uncomfortable when uh, the teachers basically forced the class to discuss CRT and, and the implications of that. Very uncomfortable. A uh, number of teachers uh, and parents addressed the group as well. Uh, but the keynote and final speaker was C.L. Bryant. Boy, Sam, he is a wonderful orator. And uh, we just have to retell this one story he told. Uh, I think he repeated it at both at this event and at the Liberty Conference last week. And, of course, I can't do it justice, but it is a worthwhile story. So you can, you can listen for it. The next time you listen to C.L., you can listen for this story. But one day he was singing along with James Brown, Say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud, you know, as he approached his father one day. And his dad looked him in the eye and said, son, I didn't do all I've done for you so you could be black and proud. I did it all so you could be free. 
And uh, so CL continues to spread the truth today that basically we're all members of humankind, born to be free, you know, not born to be black and born to be white and red and brown and yellow. You know, we that those are differences that divide us. He says we must not allow our differences to become the battle lines that separate us from one another. What a great message, Sam. We all children of our of a, of a loving Heavenly Father, and we need to be one family down here, humankind, not be divided on differences. Sam? There's no doubt <coughs> CL is a truth teller. Uh, CL has his heart in the right place. There's no doubt about it. Uh, and I had the chance to go eat uh, dinner with CL and, and a few other people right before uh, he spoke uh, on Thursday night. And I'm telling you right now, um, you know, there's a lot of people that that have been in a lot of um, important positions and places. CL is one of those people. Uh, he literally sat on two different committees for Donald Trump. Uh, he's with Freedom Works, one of the greatest, uh, biggest organizations in America. Uh, they've got millions of people on the ground. It's incredible what they've got going on. Uh, but I bring this up because not only has he been in those circles, but sometimes those people, when they get in those circles, are hard to get a hold of or, or, or you know, you can't. They're not mere mortals like the rest of us almost, it feels like, right? Uh, but I'm telling you right now, uh, CL has the ability to kind of bridge that gap. He talks and deals with just mere mortals every day. You can get a hold of him. He's a normal guy, but yet he's had this tremendous influence through his incredible career as well. That's something very unique most people probably may not know about CL Bryant. I know everybody can't get a hold of him because, I mean, he can't spend time with just 300-plus million people in America. But I'm just saying CL is approachable. You can get a hold of him and talk to him on a personal level. Very few of those, quote, rock star status kind of people are like that, Lowell. That's something really to note. Well, that's a great point, Sam. And I noticed as I worked with all the speakers uh, at the Liberty Conference last week, you know, some of them were really quite approachable, and uh, they were happy to give out their their phone number. You know, they, they trusted that we weren't going to abuse that, that, that privilege, that, that port of access to them. You know, Peter McCullough was another wonderful, wonderful gentleman who was very approachable, uh, just like CL. And, you know, there were quite a few of them, uh, Tim Foley and others. Um, you know, I, I couldn't name them all. I'm sure I'd leave somebody out. But, but then you're, you're right. There are some that were not. And that's unfortunate because, they, you know, they, uh, they, they have a message to tell and they need to get it out. And just important. I, I really appreciated CL, his honesty, his integrity, and his... Uh, what what do you call it? Yeah, sincerity is not correct. Authentic, authentic, authentic. Yeah, his authenticity was yeah, what I really tremendous. appreciated about him. Yeah, and yeah. a lot of the speakers are that way. And you know, I understand. I'm a talk show host, and a lot of people try to get a hold of me, and everybody wants to just talk my ear off and take forever and all this kind of stuff. And so I get the desire. Uh, and the understanding that, hey, you've got to have somebody kind of help and take the calls first and kind of vet who you spend time with and who you talk to. Uh, and I understand that, and a little bit of that makes sense, but when you go too far, it becomes unwarranted. And, and I bring that up just because if you're not very careful, you can isolate yourself and almost turn into an elitist. Well, I'm telling you right now, CL has not done that, uh, and he's got a busy enough schedule, and he's in enough important places to where that could easily be done, but he chooses not to. And I just have a lot of tremendous respect for him, his leadership, and the general point that he's making is, hey, folks, he says this. You guys have been hoodwinked. You guys have been bamboozled. Because uh, I was at this event as well Thursday night. And he basically said, you know, look, they're lying to you. 
we don't need to divide over race. We don't need to div- we don't need to use race as, as the lens for everything. Why don't we use morality and that we're all God's children? He didn't say it in these exact words. These are the words that I use. We're all God's children. When are we going to act like it? But uh, he uses the same idea that, you know what, when are we going to look through God, family, and country lens and stand shoulder to shoulder for the sacred cause of liberty? And why don't we unite against those who want to steal our liberty from us? And the sooner you do that, ladies and gentlemen, the sooner you will reject the bamboozlement, <laughs> etc. And anyway, tremendous speech by C.L. By the way, Steve Christensen spoke at the Weekend Act conference as well, and he's just as advocating of a jettisoning the critical race theory dishonesty as we are, Lowell. He sure is, Sam. Uh, he talked about election integrity there at the Liberty Conference. Um, and then suddenly, just last week, Sam, just a few days ago, um, announced his resignation from the Utah legislature. Um, he said it was motivated by the increasing attacks on his wife and family from his critics. He said, quote, I did not expect to see individuals attack my wife as they have, nor to see the significance of the impact of those attacks on her and our family. Primarily for that reason, it has become necessary to pause, he said. Um, and that's very interesting. You know, he chose his words carefully to pause. I mean, I hope he comes back into to politics and continues to push for an audit of the 2020 election results in, in Utah. I mean, but that's probably what got the, the bullies up in arms and and uh, pushing against him was his, his vigor with which he was pushing for the 2020 election audit. You know, he's convinced that there are some anomalies in the results that may point to fraud. He was also planning to run legislation in this upcoming January session of the legislature to prohibit the teaching of controversial subjects in schools like CRT and like social-emotional learning and so forth. Um, so um, that's, uh, that, was, that was a, a very surprising bit of news because, you know, there were a lot of liberty-minded people rallying around uh, Senator St- Steve Christiansen because of his position against critical race theory and because of his position for election integrity. So uh, it turns out that the Republican delegates in House District 47 will choose Christiansen's replacement uh, very soon. And this is why, Sam, it is very important for Utahns to run for seats, uh, state, county delegate seats or, or state delegate seats in their precincts. Because you never know when you're going to be tasked to choose a candidate to fill a vacancy like this. You might be interested to know, Sam, that Craig Hall's replacement, uh, Representative Hall was just tapped to, to become a judge on the court um, here in Utah. His replacement, Judy Weeks Rohner, who I understand is also a very good liberty-minded person, she was chosen by 28 delegates on a 21-7 to 7 vote, Sam. That's how Weeks Rohner was selected to fill the Craig Hall uh, vacancy. And it turns out that Weeks Rohner helped to organize a massive signature-gathering effort to put changes to the state's tax law on the ballot, right? This referendum last year about this time, he was instrumental in getting that referendum off the ground. And because of that referendum, the state uh, legislature backed down on their proposed tax increase and uh, she made a name for herself and uh, is, is now going to be a member of the Utah legislature. 
So that's, how, that's why it's so important for good liberty-minded people to become delegates at the county level and or the state level uh, right here in Utah. You never know when you get an opportunity to, to, to choose a replacement like this. And uh, pretty, pretty amazing. 21 to 7 vote. Judy Weeks Rohner is now in the Utah legislature. Sam? Sad tale to tell, ladies and gentlemen. Our prayers are with Steve Christensen and family, though, because I'll tell you what. He is the real deal. And the sad part is he's now out because of the abuse. That's why I give these speeches on a clarion call for civility, folks. It's gotten over the top and out of control. Lowell Nelson is seconds on your radio. Your daily Liberty Newswire. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. More than 24,000 New York City workers will be forced to stay home Monday when Mayor de Blasio's COVID-19 vaccine mandate goes into effect, raising concerns about the impact on emergency response times in the five boroughs. One fire death over the weekend in New York City is being blamed on slow response times. As Democrat Congresswoman AOC announced the world will come to an end in 12 years if nothing is done to climate change, President Biden's ambitions to lead the world in slowing the planet's warming will be tested on two continents this week. COP26, or the 26th Conference of the Parties, climate talks in Glasgow, Scotland, is going on now through November 12th. Election Day 2021 is an off year across the United States, but it has mostly drawn attention to the competitive race for Virginia governor. It should be noted several major cities, including New York, Boston, Atlanta, and Minneapolis, will elect mayors on Tuesday. USA Radio News. It's been tough talking to my doctor about constipation with belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. I finally laid all my symptoms out there and how they keep coming back. She said I may have irritable bowel syndrome with constipation, or IBSC. We agreed it's time to try something different. Linzess, or linaclotide, is a prescription medicine that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives. It lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements and helps relieve overall abdominal symptoms, belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. These symptoms were studied in combination, not individually. Do not give Linzess to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and Call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. There could be more to your story with IBSC. Visit a doctor in person or online. Say yes to Linzess. Learn more at linzess.com or call 1-800-LINZESS. Sponsored by Abby and Ironwood Pharmaceuticals. In less than a year, America went from energy independence to not being energy independent. Gas prices are a direct result. Americans are paying more for everyday goods and services, leading some to fear an impending inflation crisis. One of the examples of increased prices is gasoline. But Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm assures on NBC's Meet the Press that prices won't stay high forever. The Energy Information Agency has said that by projected, again, it's very volatile, but yep. they said that by the beginning of December, the prices should come down for at the pump to $3.05. We'll see if that actually happens, but um, they are the best objective data that we have. Critics argue the Biden administration's policies on energy, such as shutting down the Keystone XL pipeline, are contributing to rising gas prices. From the USA Radio News Phoenix Bureau, I'm Tim Berg. As you get this Monday going, thanks for listening. We are USA Radio News.
All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen, Sam Bushman, Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org, doing a phenomenal job on your radio. So, Lowell, um, should we lock down the number of Supreme Court justices to nine? Should we have an amendment to the Constitution uh, to get that done? Uh, that's the topic uh, on the table next, huh? It sure is, Sam. Uh, that's the topic of a resolution that will be considered by the Utah Republican Party's State Central Committee on November 13. That's not very far away. That's just a couple weeks away. I'm a member of that committee, and um, I want to address this issue squarely, and so I'm bringing it uh, here now. I, I imagine that there are probably a number of, of states where this is a topic for discussion. Um, I'm, not, I'm not enamored with the idea, Sam, um, I, and, I'll, and, and, and here is why, and I, I do want to get your thoughts on this, but the framers had the opportunity to set the number of justices, but they, you know, had they wanted, but, but they left that in the hands of Congress. They wanted Congress to have flexibility, and it, and it turns out that right in the Constitution itself, it says that uh, Congress shall, you know, re re regulate the, the Supreme Court, you know, and and um, they can, by a majority vote, Sam, they can stipulate what uh, subjects or what matters the U U.S. Supreme Court can take up. You know, it's not just carte blanche. They, they, the Congress can limit the, ju the jurisdiction, the appellate jurisdiction of the U.S. Supreme Court. So they could, Congress could, by a majority vote, say, okay, U.S. Supreme Court may not rule on any uh, matter relating to abortion they, they could do that if they and by by simple majority vote they could say that and the U, and they would thereby strip the u.s supreme court of the authority to rule on abortion if they wanted to right and yet here this some this 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 group is wanting to amend the constitution and and stipulate that the number of justices be nine uh, be limited to nine because they're afraid that the Democrats are going to pack the court and add so many more justices, liberal justices, that the, the, the could then rule the way they want, right? And so it makes the Supreme Court this this bouncing basketball, bouncing back and forth between you know progressive and and um, and conservative, back and forth depending on who's in power in Congress. And I just think it's it's a backwards idea. I don't believe that that it, it ought to be the pol the political basketball, um, but instead we ought to have a truer understanding of what the U.S. Supreme Court can and ought to rule on. And in my opinion, is that that they should not be ruling on all of the thousands of things that they consider every year. Um, they should rule on truly. Uh, things that were given to the general government, um, and you know, the the states have plenary authority for all domestic issues like healthcare and education and and police force and so forth. Um, the U U.S. Supreme Court should be ruling on none of those matters. They get between seven and eight thousand uh, uh, petitions every year, and they hear about eighty cases that is one percent folks and so they only they only take up one percent of the cases they're asked to take up why are they getting getting so many cases because everybody in the u.s thinks that the u.s supreme court has the final say on all matters 
uh, and that's simply not true. The states have the final say, and uh, we, we, could, we could talk about why that's the case here in, in a minute, Sam, but I do want to get your opinion on this idea that the number of justices needs to be nailed down to no more than nine people. Sam? So my take on this uh, is as follows. You know, I am a traditionalist in the sense that I don't believe that the Constitution is this elastic document that you can make say or you know stretch here and there and do whatever you want. I believe in the traditional interpretations of the supreme law of the land. I am convinced that it's far from perfect, but it's the best we've got by far. should be the political religion of our nation. And the Constitution, ladies and gentlemen, they mean what they say and they say what they mean and they're very good at it. If we are moral... And if we honor it, but again, if we're immoral, if we turn our backs on it, if we just say it's a piece of paper, it means nothing. We don't have those principles in our hearts, ladies and gentlemen. If we don't understand the principles and and, and truly believe that they are the solutions, uh, then we're in trouble. And so I use that backdrop discussion to highlight where we are. So we can't balance our budget at the federal government level. So then we want an amendment to balance the budget. Ladies and gentlemen, an amendment's not going to balance the budget. It never will. If you don't have good, honest people that will balance the budget, you're in trouble. And if you don't elect good, honest people to balance the budget, forget it. So we have a debt ceiling. They ignore it every single time they raise it. Why even have it if you're going to raise it all the time? Why even have a balanced budget amendment if you'll just ignore the balanced budget amendment? Well, I believe the same thing is true here, Lowell. I don't care if we have seven justices, five justices, nine justices, 11 justices. They want to pack the court whenever they don't get what they want out of the court because they're immoral. They're not interested in the court telling you the truth constitutionally. The courts now are so politically manipulated and divisive that the justices always have to create a ruling that's just down the line. Give somebody um, their little handout, give somebody their little handout, and try to walk this tightrope of let's not offend people, let's try to you know offend the least amount of people possible, rather than laying down the honest constitutional law-abiding truth. Uh, they want to play games here. And so I don't think that another law is going to do any good. You say, well, you can only lock it at nine. We're going to create an amendment. To the, all the states have got a mandate that it's nine. Um, and then Congress, though, can just overrule it. So I look at the simple majority that you spoke of a second ago. All they do is create a law that says we've got to have a supermajority. And then, oh, my goodness, the supermajority is horrible when it's not the party in power. Then they're like, oh, my goodness, we've got to get rid of that supermajority. It's cursed. It's awful. And then they, no, don't get rid of it. It'll backfire. And, and when it's not your turn, the enemies will use it to get at you and and we just go back and forth with this dishonesty and immorality. We don't look for ways to obey the supreme law of the land and honor it and give it its fair checks and balances. Congress can reign in the courts whenever they want to. They can slap the courts down and say, you're wrong. The courts can slap the Congress down. They both can slap the president down. These checks and balances are the key to the exercise, ladies and gentlemen. It's not in more legislation. It's not in more um, you know, Supreme Court justices demanding edicts. Um, from the bench, uh, you know, creating activism on the bench rather than interpreting law. Okay, each group needs to morally stay within their lane. And each lane should act as a check and balance should there be a misstep. It shouldn't be constant, well, the court's out of control and we're not going to rein in activists because we don't want to hold them accountable. We're just going to make new laws to tell them we're the boss. And we run around and play these games. If the judges are out of line, impeach them. You don't need to make a new law to rein them in. Just impeach them. Kick that thug out and get somebody who's honorable, who cares about their role and their lane, and who will operate within their lane. And if you don't start doing that, you're going to have, instead of 10,000 laws on the books, you're going to have a million thousand laws on, 
there's not even a million thousand, right? You're going to have a billion laws on the books. You think that's going to make anything better? You've got to have the American people engaged, ladies and gentlemen, to really elect those who are honorable and who will stay within their lane. And then you've got to let the checks and balances vertically and horizontally become the rule of law once again. And unless you do that, unless the moral people do that, it's curtains. Okay, so I'm not for it because I don't think it'll do any good. I think it'll be a waste of time, Lowell. Yeah, I think it's a waste of time too, Sam. It's going. To, it's basically a distraction. It's a shiny object to distract us from the real issue, which is what you said: is a moral, moral uh, government, moral society, moral legislators, moral congressmen uh, making the right decisions. And and just to point out this horizontal uh, check and balance you're talking about. Let me be very explicit about that. The states are the entities that created the general government. The states are parties to the compact, right? And Thomas Jefferson pointed this out very clearly in the Kentucky Resolutions of 1798 when he wrote, the government created by this compact, meaning the general government, was not made the exclusive or final judge of the extent of the powers delegated to itself, since that would have made its discretion, not the Constitution, the measure of its powers. But that, as in all other cases of compact among powers having no common judge, each party, meaning each state, because the, the states are parties to the compact, he says, he writes, each party, meaning each state, has an equal right to judge for itself as well of, the, as well of infractions as of the mode and measure of redress, meaning each state is the one to determine the constitutionality of any particular act of the general government. And, and James Madison uh, follows this up in the report of 1800, emphatically asserting that states retain, retain absolute authority to determine the constitutionality of an action. When he wrote there, quote, the states then being the parties to the constitutional compact and in their sovereign capacity, it follows of necessity that there can be no tribunal above their authority, right? Everybody thinks the U.S. Supreme Court is above the states. That is not true. Ladies and there gentlemen, the no states need to nullify now liberally, and the Congress needs to impeach out-of-control activist judges. If we had that happening using the checks and balances, we don't need any new laws. It would already be solved. I challenge anybody to prove that wrong. The founders were incredibly intelligent, ladies and gentlemen, and their solutions should be on the table. Hang tight. The Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow man, but by God. The Foundation maintains a twofold focus. First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? Please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing Foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various Foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3 founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org. The spirit of the American West is live and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues affecting the American West. 
Each issue contains informative articles, breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today, and gift ideas like the 2021 Real Buckaroo Calendar. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com. Well, my mom smokes and my dad smokes and I saw them smoking, so I tried it. They're telling me not to smoke, but they smoke themselves. When it comes to smoking, are you sending mixed signals? But when you teach someone a certain way to do things and you go back on that certain way, it sends mixed signals to the person that they're trying to teach. The parents need to be the example. Smoking. If you think you're old enough to start, you're smart enough to stop. A public service message from this station and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Wow, ladies and gentlemen, hard-hitting talk at your fingertips. So I think the checks and balances are key. States understanding their proper role in the dual sovereignty reality that Anthony Scalia spoke of uh, and moral people demanding and insisting on the checks and balances. Uh, we need to start there. We don't need new lawns. We don't need a lot of the Supreme Court justices at nine. What we need to do is elect people who will demand accountability. Look, impeach activist thug judges that don't obey the law. If they try to uh, do more than interpret the law, make the law, then impeach them. Uh, if they try to make laws that don't apply to you as a state, nullify them. Okay, the checks and balances are front and center and are the solution, ladies and gentlemen. But John Rappaport writes an article called Behind Closed Doors that highlights what I'm talking about, lol. <laughs> highlights the immorality of people uh, in positions of uh, per- persuasive authority over other people. You're right. You know, John Rappaport, he describes the animal cruelty that's being visited on animals and humans in medical research labs, all in the name of science, of course, and it is appalling. Uh, To prove their hypotheses about germs causing diseases, he writes, researchers will first do anything to weaken animals, so it then seems that injecting them with uh, purported germs is infecting them and making them sick. This is what he calls prep work. Uh, this prep work to weaken animals it includes some of the following things, Sam. Destructive, destructive genetic modification, the injection of toxic chemicals and drugs, the removal of the animal's immune systems, the injection of toxic serums composed of material taken from other animal species, exposing the animals to high doses of radiation, the grafting of material onto the animals from other species, the caging and isolation of the animals for long periods of time, which produces great stress and immune system suppression, drilling holes in animals and attaching restraints and sensors to them and inside of them, berating the animals, treating them as objects, conducting research in unsanitary and unclean facilities, and then finally issuing falsified records to support lies about outcomes in order to prove predestined conclusions. The entire catalog of torture, he writes, is couched and concealed in dry technical language and euphemism. Medical journals describe nothing about the animals' reactions to this brutal savagery. If they did, the researchers would be exposed as rank sadists, their work would be discredited, and eventually there would be public uproar, end of quote. Sam, so... I love animals as much as anyone. In fact, I believe one's character is revealed in the way he treats his animals, be they pets or livestock or wild game. 
And so I wanted to highlight this chunk of this article by John Rappaport because we need honest researchers with strong moral ethics if we hope to have confidence in their research. You know, researchers involved with the COVID vaccine are ignoring data they don't like. They're, they're, they're not even collecting data that they know will look dismal. For example, they didn't test the vaccine on, on people 80 years and older, for example, because they didn't want any possibility of, of, a, of, a, of a, an adverse outcome to, to uh, taint the, the so-called confidence they had in their vax. Um, and so basically it comes down to this, Sam. We need good people everywhere, whether you're a lab researcher or a politician, to stand up for truth and virtue. You know, we need a Karen Kingston in every lab. Karen, as you recall, is the whistleblower, the former Pfizer executive who blew, blew the lid off the COVID vaccine. And the data she presented indicated that three-fourths of COVID patients are fully vaccinated and four-fifths of hospitalized patients are fully vaccinated. You know, and then but Pfizer ignored the obvious conclusions of their studies and pushed forward with the vaccinations anyway, obviously creating big, big problems because the clot shot is obviously more trouble, more problematic than not getting it at all. And as you know, Sam, through October 22nd, there have been reported to the CDC's database theirs over 837,000 adverse events, 17,600 of them have been deaths, 86,000 hospitalizations, 2,700 miscarriages, 8,600 heart attacks, 11,000 myocarditis and pericarditis patients, and so forth. Coercing people to get these clot shots is criminal, in my opinion, Sam. It's absolutely criminal. It is criminal, ladies and gentlemen. It is something, um, I don't even know how to respond to this, because, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the dishonesty, really the issue is honesty here with all this, mm-hmm. okay? Karen Kingston doing a phenomenal job as a whistleblower, blew the lid off of this thing. You know what? Most people are vaccinated that are getting COVID now and going to the hospitals, ladies and gentlemen. Through October 22nd, for example, 2020, uh, October 22nd, there have been reported to the CDC's VARS database over 837,000 adverse events, 17,600 plus deaths, 86,000 hospitalizations, 2,700 miscarriages, 8,600 heart attacks. <laughs> you look at this and you go, what? Forcing people to get this is criminal. Uh, but I look at all these adverse events that you mentioned and that I kind of, again, summarize here, lol, and say, you know what? Um, the experts tell you that about 1% of the adverse information really gets reported to VARS. So what the real yeah. numbers are, we have no idea, but we know that it's at least 10 times that number. That means like uh-huh. 170,000 deaths. That means... And you think about that, and you think in time it's going to probably eclipse the real death from COVID if their numbers are even correct. I challenge their numbers big time. But suffice it to say, this is disaster. They're adding insult to injury in a very criminal way, and they know it, Lowell. They absolutely know it, Sam. And uh, it, it takes people with ethics 
like Karen Kingston, who decided, you know what, she can't keep lying to the people. She's an honest person. She has some integrity. She's going to come forth with the truth and expose the the uh, the dishonesty of the organization for which she formerly worked. And that takes courage. That takes guts. And uh, so hats off to her and any other whistleblowers, because she's not alone. There are others who have come forward, and doctors, for example, who risk their licenses simply to tell the truth. Dr. Ryan Cole of Idaho, for example, Dr. Um, uh, Peter McCullough of Texas. Uh, these are some of the most renowned, uh, world-renowned researchers and doctors coming forward with the truth day after day, and uh, I applaud them. I pray for them, and I'm so glad that they are willing to risk what you know their 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 professional lives in order to bring the truth forward to the people. Now, what do we do with it, folks? We need to take that truth. We need to spread it around, and we need to to stop the madness, this 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 folly of of moving along the path to the great reset, the great new normal. That's not a path we want to be on, Sam. Amen to that, ladies and gentlemen. But the reason they're advocating for this, even though they know it's criminal even though they know it's wrong, even though, you know, we go on and on, is because they're creating the great new normal, ladies and gentlemen. They're using the purge to force the new normal. C.J. Hopkins, in her incredible article, has the details. Um, Hopkins writes that, uh, quote, people who refuse to convert to the new official ideology are now being segregated, stripped of their jobs, banned from attending schools, denied medical treatment, and otherwise persecuted. Relentless official propaganda demonizing the unvaccinated is being pumped out by the corporate and state media, government leaders, health officials, and shrieking fanatics on social media. Protesting the new normal is now outlawed in some countries, Sam, such as Australia, where you can be arrested for a Facebook post. Hopkins then makes some general observations, which I find to be very true. Uh, quote, the lifeblood of totalitarian, totalitarianism is fear. Fear of both the system's official enemy, which is constantly stoked with propaganda, and of the totalitarian system itself. That the brutality of the system is rationalized by the threat posed by the official enemy doesn't make it any less brutal or terrifying. Under totalitarian systems of any type or scale, fear is a constant, and there is no escape from it, end of quote. Which reminds me, Sam, of John Adams' statement, fear is the foundation of most governments. You know, that's very true. The, the foundation of the current totalitarian approach is fear. Here, COVID is the official enemy. COVID is the official enemy right now, folks. And, the, and, he, and Hopkins continues, quote, the masses' fear is then channeled into hatred, hatred of the official Untermenschen, right, Whom, and which is Untermenschen is a Nazi word for the non-Aryan inferior people, meaning the Jews, the blacks, the mentally disabled, etc. In this case, the Untermenschen is the unvaccinated, right? So COVID's the enemy. The unvaccinated are the is is the uh, is the intermission, basically who you're supposed to hate, and uh, and and scapegoats, 
and that's what's happening now. It's happening right in front of our eyes, Sam. Day after day, month after month, the masses have been subjected to the most destructive psychological terror campaign in the history of psychological terror. And sadly, many of them have been reduced to paranoid invalids, afraid of the outdoors, afraid of human contact, afraid of their own children, afraid of their own parents, morbidly obsessed with disease and death, and consumed with hatred of the unvaccinated, Sam. Uh, you you got a comment on this uh, article. I better not continue on, but well, let me um, it's let me make this sad. quick comment. We're almost out of time, but I'm going to say this: the lie continues to force the great quote new normal or great reset or whatever we want to talk about on the people. If you refuse in any way to go along with the quote new official ideology, it's almost become a religion, ladies and gentlemen. They want you to convert to the new official ideology. And if you don't, ladies and gentlemen, they're flat out going to persecute you, lol. Yep, that's what they're doing, Sam. If you don't wear the mask in the airport, they're gonna, they're, you're going to hear about it. <laughs> well, the solution there is to throw a monkey wrench into the machinery, as many monkey wrenches as possible and as often as possible. You know, if you get fired from your job, then you become an entrepreneur. You keep doing what you do. Follow your passion. Do what makes money and helps other people obtain what they want. That's the magic of capitalism. Join others to supply the products and services that you're supplying in your current job. Use common sense, but defy irrational and unlawful edicts whenever possible, Sam. Amen to that, ladies and gentlemen. Flat out of time, but incredible columns, incredible information from Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org, doing a phenomenal job as always. Thank you, sir. We'll talk soon. You're welcome, Sam. God bless you. It's become a pagan religion, ladies and gentlemen. They don't care if it's witchcraft or what it is. Anything but the true God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob will do for these, in my opinion, retrobates. That's my humble opinion to which I'm entitled. We'll come back and talk about witchcraft and what it's doing to America next hour in seconds. God save the Republic of the United States of America. the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use, no doubt, continues now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for November the 1st in the year of our Lord, 2021. This, as I mentioned, is our 202. The goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio in the tradition of our founding fathers. Ladies and gentlemen, last hour we talked to Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org, about how we're rejecting critical race theory. Uh, The abuses that we're experiencing are just out of control. Vote fraud. We're divided on every single front line you can find or fault line you can find. Representative Steve Christensen literally had to resign, ladies and gentlemen. 
He's a representative of the state of Utah. Had to resign from the Utah legislature because, you know what, he's advocating against vote fraud to get to the bottom of it. He's against critical race theory. He's been making his views known. The enemies of liberty have literally attacked his family so hard he just resigned. Now, I've been advocating for clarion call for civility for quite some time and will continue to do so. But, ladies and gentlemen, the Constitution, the supreme law of the land, is a check and balance, a way to, to rein in out-of-control government, but it's not working because we're not using the checks and balances properly. You've got to have a moral people, and then you've got to have them insist on the incredible checks and balances vertically and horizontally in America. And if we don't do those things, we're in trouble. And behind closed doors, medical researchers are literally setting the stage for, uh, as far as I can tell them, to create a new great reset, a new normal. And the new normal consists of everything, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, get, get rid of the current money system we use, which I'm not really for because it's fiat-based anyway, right? But I want to go back to constitutional currency, gold and silver. They're going to go to a, quote, cryptocurrency. They're going to move everything online so that they can control every single transaction. And I personally believe the crypto people have deceived themselves into thinking that, hey, it's an incredible currency that's off the grid that government can't control. They lie. They don't know. They've been deceived. Cryptocurrency has been floated by the deep state, uh, acting like no one created it. No one's in charge of it. It's all public and, hey, you know, use this. But really, the government's going to then eventually control it. And when government controls crypto, then what you'll have is government controlling everything online. So your great bastion of freedom turned into a pig and a poke. That's why I tell everybody not to dip their toe in the crypto. I know a lot of people think it's really good. A lot of freedom fighters think it's awesome. There's a lot of money to be made. I get all those things. I also get that eventually, ladies and gentlemen, the trap will snap. And the great new normal will commence. The economy, finance will be at the center of it. And ladies and gentlemen, if you don't comply with your COVID vaccination, with your financial uh, you know, administration all being online, you will be locked out of everything in society. The great new normal purge is what C.J. Hopkins is calling it. People who refuse to, quote, convert to the new normal and the official ideology are being segregated, stripped of their jobs, banned from attending schools, churches, etc., denied medical treatment, and otherwise persecuted for their beliefs. Well, as you know, I've always warned you about this, and my warning continues. They're coming for the Christians. They're coming for the followers of Christ. They don't care about a divide between male and female, black and white, rich and poor, gay and straight. They don't care about those divides, except for those divides um, literally destroy America. So when I say they don't care about them, what I mean by that is that's not their ultimate goal. But they're glad to use those divide tactics along the way. What they're really coming for is the Christians. You're either a follower of Christ or you are an antichrist. That's what it's going to come down to. Mark my words. Remember who's been hammering this home more steadily, longer than anybody else. Other people make reference to it, but I highlight the truth on this more than anybody you know. All right. Now, I have seen an article that is just shocking, highlighting my very point. It came out around Halloween time. It's in USA Today. It's written by Dina Yellen. Okay. 
Dina Yellen wrote this for USA Today, and here's the article's headline. We're in the middle of a witch moment. Hip witchcraft is on the rise in the United States of America. That's right. Witchcraft is on the rise. Witchcraft used to be, um, for the most part, considered wicked and a, a very big concern. But, oh, no, they've normalized, normalized, normalized. Now they feel like they've got the upper hand. They're ready to make their bold, in-your-face push. They incrementally moved their agenda forward under the radar for quite some time. Harry Potter books and others kind of, you know, paving the way. But now they're bold and in-your-face. We're in the middle of a, quote, witch moment, they say. Hip witchcraft is on the rise in the USA. USA Today. What a sad tale to tell. Now, they say hip witchcraft. What that means is that they're making witchcraft in. Hip. Awesome. I'll never go for the satanic lie, ladies and gentlemen, and pray you don't either. And I don't highlight this article in such detail because I want to give you witchcraft information. I highlight this article in such detail and go through it this hour because I want you to understand this is all part of their plan. All right. They call it Samhain. They say the likely precursor to Halloween has caught on as more Americans embrace astrology and pagan sects such as Wicca. On Halloween night, they say, Charlene Zilak will light candles and incense in front of an altar and invite her departed loved ones to join her in what they call a dumb supper. Yeah, that's a feast eaten in silence out of respect for the dead who can't speak. Wow, that's that's not how I would go. It's not what I would do. After a year-long hiatus, though, she says because of COVID, Zilak is reuniting with her coven. In other words, a congregation of witches in Old Bridge, New Jersey, to celebrate what's called Samhain. Now... That's the wrong pronunciation. They say it's an ancient Celtic festival marking the end of the harvest season, the beginning of winter. Pronounce Samhain, I think is how you say it, Samhain, which is believed to be the precursor of Halloween, literally means (laughs) summer's end in Gaelic. All right. They say witches ring in the day-long holiday at night on October 31st. They have ceremonies and feasts, and they built altars to honor the dead. Samhain, or Samhain, has become increasingly popular in recent years as more Americans embrace astrology, the supernatural, and pagan sects such as Wicca. The rise has been fueled largely by young people who have abandoned organized religion in favor of their, quote, own spiritual path. This year, in the shadow of the pandemic, Samhain, or Samhain, carries extra poignance with more socially distanced observances and references to COVID-19. See, the witches will embrace COVID-19 so that you, wow, you know, they're, they're in, they're hip, they're happening. Lies 
straight from the pit of hell, uh, in my opinion, to which I'm entitled. Witches around the nation, they say, will honor those who died during the pandemic, and then they will perform rites ceremonies aimed at making the disease disappear. You want witches to advocate for the disappearance of COVID? We will call out the names of those who died and will light a candle in their honor, they say. Said Zelak, adding that the event will be smaller than normal because of the, quote, pandemic. We will ask the deities. Now, that's an interesting statement, ladies and gentlemen. It's very pagan, very idolistic, very witchcraft-centric. We will ask the deities. So it's everything but the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the true God, right? We will ask the deities to watch over those of us who are still here and keep us all safe, they say. We will remember those who died and we'll ask the deities to make their afterlife as enjoyable as it could be. We find that idea comforting, the witches say. Now, a few miles away in Mount Holly, New Jersey, Melanie Wilbur will join other witches at a small socially distanced bonfire where they will recite prayers and spells to honor the dead. As it is our new year, we will be incorporating our intentions for healing for the world, our communities, and our country, said Wilbur. See, they want to make this sound as nice as they can. They just want to heal everybody, the witches and this. A witch and owner of a group called Saragwin's Hearth, a New Jersey witch shop which specializes in tarot card readings, energy healings, and ingredients for spells. They say no longer considered wicked. Witches are now hip. They're in. Wicca is one of the largest pagan groups, and its followers often practice witchcraft. The modern Wicca movement was established back in the 1950s, they say, as a religion emphasizing magic, nature, and environmental responsibility. So don't you know the witches are good environmental responsibility people, ladies and gentlemen. Are you buying these lies? I, for one, am not. Quick pause. We'll highlight the concern as we continue on your favorite talk station. So, uh, you two are real actors, huh? Well, I was an extra on a soap opera for three years. And I'm best known for starring in cat food commercials. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and you're going to play our parents for how long? Oh, just during dinner for the next few years, probably until you're both off to college. Your real parents will be back every night at 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock? Hey, your dad's busy. He's got work, softball, client yeah. functions. Yeah, and your mom, she's got the literary club and play rehearsals. So. Uh, don't you worry. They'll be back on time. Otherwise, we get time, time and, and a half. half. <laughs> <laughs> okay, according to the script, we're supposed to ask you how your day was. Yes. Um, okay, I guess. Ooh, is that the best you can do? I think I want my real parents. I don't see that in a script. No ad-libbing, please. There's no substitute for a loving parent. And when you're really there, you'll know how much you care. From the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. For more tips on strengthening your family, visit family.mormon.org. Abby Johnson was once director of a Planned Parenthood clinic in Bryan, Texas, 
After a moral crisis, she quit, and now she campaigns against what she once endorsed. They implement abortion quotas in all of their clinics. What do you mean, quotas? You have to perform a certain number of abortions every month. Um, one of the reasons that I left... Are they explicit about that? Yes. It's, it's in your budget, right there on the line item. Uh, one of the reasons I left Planned Parenthood was because uh, in a budget meeting, I was told to double that abortion quota. And for me, as someone who had spoken to the media and had said, you know, we're about reducing the number of abortions, we're about, you right. know, prevention, all of these other services, I was shocked. So since this. you actually worked at a Planned Parenthood, give us some sense of the relative number of abortions. Okay, abortions, Planned Parenthood provides over 330,000 abortions a year. They right. are the largest single abortion provider in our country. Back to the alive, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about this psychotic column. You're in the middle of a witch moment, they say. Uh, witches are hip now. Hitch, hip witchcraft is on the rise in America, USA Today. And I say, what a shame it is, ladies and gentlemen, if this is true at all. Whether it's true or not, you and I need to stand against it. We need to bear witness of our Savior, the one and only Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. We need to testify of God Almighty. There is only one God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, ladies and gentlemen. Let's not be deceived on this topic, okay? But the story goes on, the article goes on, and here's what they say. As a religion, this is Wicca or witchcraft, uh, emphasizing magic, nature, and environmental responsibility. So, see, the environmental responsible people are not the Christians. See, they're the witchcraft people. If you're a witch, you're environmentally responsible. If you're not a witch or a warlock or whatever whacked-out term they come up with, okay, if you don't turn against God, then, man, you're not environmentally friendly. <laughs> you must be a terrorist if you're not a – see what I mean? I mean, it's crazy town as the persecution of Christians ratchets up. We can expect no less, though, as the followers of Christ. He said we must be persecuted for his sake, and we will be. So it's a tragic reality. I guess we uh, pick up our cross, right? Witches, they say, have historically gotten a bad rap as sinister outliers associated with flying brooms, pointy hats, and evil spells. I wonder why they get the bad rap, folks. <laughs> Isn't it pretty obvious? I mean, I'm, not, I'm only half dumb, right? They say for centuries, innocent women were punished, punished or put to death because they were uh, accused of practicing witchcraft. I don't know how many really were practicing witchcraft versus how many weren't. And I'm not for the persecuting of others, even if they believe in witchcraft. I mean, we need to be kind to them and respectful and understand that they have the right to choose as they will. But so do we. And they have the right to speak out, but so do we. So I'm not advocating for violence for these people, but I am saying beware not to embrace their views or their doctrine. And I think if we're patient, long-suffering, kind, but yet bold in our testimony of Christ, that is one of the best ways we can turn them from their wicked, evil ways. They say in more recent times, those who have publicly identified as being witches said they faced discrimination and harassment. Well, I don't think we should discriminate against them or harass them, but I do think we should unequivocally reject their views publicly and privately. Okay? I don't believe in witchcraft and Satanism. I mean, I believe Satan exists and that he's real. I just believe that he's the enemy of all righteousness. That's all. And so I have every right to my belief, and I should not jettison my belief 
and let them have their way and their beliefs to take center stage. Uh, we ought to politely advocate for our views. We ought to be kind and respectful to those around us, but we ought to be bold and clear and concise and direct in our testimony that Jesus Christ lives. He did die on the cross. He is the only way, the truth, and the life that we can return to God Almighty and live with him again. Okay, we need to be very clear. And then the article continues and says, but now, on the heels of the, quote, wildly successful Harry Potter's series and Twilight films, and with an array of witches showing up on social media, witchcraft isn't considered spooky anymore. I don't know if I want to call it spooky, but I will call it uh, out of step with God Almighty. I'll tell you that right now. It's out of step with everything I hold dear. In fact, it's the 180 degrees opposite. They say it's now gone mainstream. What a sad day in the Republic, ladies and gentlemen. Our founders would be sad, sad, sad indeed. And our Savior Jesus Christ, I'm sure, isn't too happy either. The numbers of Americans, they say, who identify with Wicca or paganism, well, it's on the rise big time, has risen from, they say, 134,000 in 2001 to nearly 2 million today. That's according to Helen Berger, a resident scholar at Brandeis University's Women's Studies Research Center. She has conducted extensive research and authored four books about witches and pagans. The witch community in America has been growing steadily, they say, since the 1960s. That's why I mentioned at the start of the program it was first under the radar. We're going to grow quietly. But now they feel like they have enough of them, millions, to where they've got the upper hand. They're going to go bold in your face now. And I'm not advocating for persecuting them, but I'm telling you they will persecute us. Write it down and remember who warned you on the radio. She said much of the recent growth is coming from young women. In my opinion, directionless, directionless young women uh, who haven't been taught at an early age in life to, to have faith in Christ. Manny Tajita Moreno, an editor of what's called the uh, Wild Hunt, it's a magazine, I guess, or I guess it's a news agency focused on the pagan and witch community, says the subscriptions to their organization have climbed over 80,000 now in the past five years, representing a 25% increase. Wow. While there are few data-driven statistics documenting the growth of the witch population in America, the rise of witchcraft on social media suggests an observable difference. And the number of people practicing witchcraft today and the number of people willing to engage in and discuss that practice openly, adding that witchcraft and witches have become more commonplace in America. From Salem to Sabrina, witches have long captured the human imagination. Today's versions include influencer witches on social media and a comic superhero called Wiccan. So ladies and gentlemen, they've literally used social media and books and fun and sci-fi and all this kind of stuff to advocate for witchcraft. They Now they call them TikTokers who share their witchcraft tutorials 
and other magical content under the, quote, hashtag witch talk. They have now amassed more than 20 billion, you heard me with a B, views. Wow. There are now podcasts, museum exhibits, and an array of books and classes directly focused openly on witchcraft now. Major retailers, ladies and gentlemen, including Sephora and Urban Outfitters, are responding to the surging witch population. Wow. They're hawking healing crystals, spell books, and other tools of the witch trade. Oh, my. Believe it or not, they say witch theme shops are now creeping up around the country. And a search for merchandise on Amazon and other places yield thousands of products, services, and entries. Right now, we're right in the middle of a witch moment, said Jason Mankey, a Silicon Valley witch, who has authored seven books about witchcraft. Wow. Witchcraft is popular now. And the number of witches in America is growing extremely fast. A decade or so ago, by the way, nobody would have posted their spells online. But now it's become popular to see what people are doing magically on Instagram. A lot of witches today get information from social media, meaning witchcraft is now available to a broader swath of society via the Internet. Yeah, that's really, really scary stuff, folks. Think about what I'm telling you. Witchcraft is live and well in America today, coming out of the, quote, broom closet, right? Disenfranchised from organized religion, witch experts are now attributing the, quote, resurgence of witchcraft to a variety of factors. For starters, there are few regulations with regards to witchcraft. In fact, Wicca, believe it or not, has no universally acceptable Bible regiments and or mode of practice. And the only tenet that they have that's been broadly adopted, listen to this carefully, by Wiccans is harm none and do as you will. Now, to me, how do you practice witchcraft and harm none? You're harming yourself and harming others by denying Christ openly, blatantly. In my opinion, crucifying Christ afresh. It's harming people, ladies and gentlemen. But they say, if you harm none and do whatever you want to do, baby. It reminds me of the whacked out views of the 60s, man. Hey, free love. Do whatever you want, man. Along with this healthy dose of antichrist view uh, that witches are known for, right? They say if someone self-identifies as a witch, then by golly, they're a witch. Wow. They say it's not as well-defined as other religions. We'll come back and talk about this more. This is a very serious threat in the Republic. I've got solutions, though, ladies and gentlemen. If you hang tight, you can hear what I have to say about this serious, serious threat topic on your radio. This is the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live. Exposing Corruption. Informing citizens, pursuing liberty. You're listening to Liberty News Radio.
USA Radio News with Lance Pry. President Biden ended his time at the Group of 20 Summit on Sunday trying to convince Americans and the wider world that he's got things under control. In a news conference to a prepared list of reporters Sunday, Biden said his fellow G20 members, they know me, I know them, we get things done together. Sydney's International Airport came alive with emotions, embraces, and laughter on Monday as Australia's border opened for the first time in 20 months. Australia believes that vaccination rates are now high enough to mitigate the dangers of allowing international visitors again. White House Press Secretary, 42-year-old Jen Psaki, said Sunday that she has come down with COVID-19 and is experiencing mild symptoms. Saki said she was last in contact with President Biden on Tuesday. The president tested negative on Saturday, according to the White House. USA Radio News. Deb's constipation with belly pain, discomfort, and bloating kept giving her grief. She talked to her doctor to get some relief. Turns out Deb had irritable bowel syndrome with constipation or IBSC, which was a start. Saying yes to Linzess helped her do her part. Linzess or linaclotide is a prescription medicine that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives. It lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements and helps relieve overall abdominal symptoms, belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. These symptoms were studied in combination, not individually. Do not give Linzess to children less than six and it should not be given to children six to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, Stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. There could be more to your story with IBSC. Talk to a doctor today. Say yes to Linzess. Learn more at Linzess.com or call 1-800-LINZESS. Sponsored by Avian Ironwood Pharmaceuticals. The Georgia Secretary of State disputes President Trump's claim over voter fraud. President Joe Biden's victory in Georgia in the 2020 presidential election was the first time a Democrat had won that state since 1992. But then President Trump did claim there was voter fraud involved. You may remember he demanded that Georgia's Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger find the votes to overturn the election. He made that request in a phone call a few days after the polls closed. Now Raffensperger tells NBC meet the press. The numbers never supported any of the claims of the former president. He said there was 10,000 dead people. There was less than five. He said that there were thousands of felons and there was less than 74. He said there were 66,000 underage voters. There were zero. Raffensperger also appearing on NBC's Meet the Press where he said he would gladly take part in any interviews with the Fulton County District Attorney with regards to an ongoing investigation into former President Trump. And for USA Radio News, I'm Chris Barnes. We are USA Radio News. Back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about this uh, scary article. We're in the middle of a witch moment. Hip witchcraft is on the rise in the United States. Uh, it ain't hip, ladies and gentlemen. It's evil. Look, there was a war in heaven, according to the Bible, where Satan tried to ascend himself above God. And failed, and the war went on, and Satan was cast down. That war on earth continues now, ladies and gentlemen, and it's Jesus Christ versus Satan. I testify of Christ that he lives, that he is the Savior of us all. And I 1,000, I don't know how to say it more, a gazillion percent reject Satan, who's the enemy of all righteousness, ladies and gentlemen. But there is a insurgence of those who want to promote Satan above God, it's the modern-day Tower of Babel, if you will, going on right now. 
And they say these witch, witches and warlocks and people who uh, worship Satan now are uh, on the rise in America. It's becoming super popular thanks to uh, all kinds of books and social media and everything else. And they say that these witches, and, and they don't have any real doctrine except for uh, they all agree that, hey, you know, don't harm anybody and do whatever the heck you like. It's almost a whacked out version of the 60s, man, um, with satanic worship mingled in. It's, it's, it's psychotic. Uh, and then they go on and they continue and say this, adding that witches come from all backgrounds and can identify as male, female, or non-binary. So see, all the witches have to do is embrace all the modern psychotic uh, secular lies about gender, about sexual relationships, about the environment, about and, and pretty soon they'll embrace all these whacked out beliefs. And uh, you can be a witch as long as you subscribe to the whacked out modern day beliefs that literally turn our back collectively as a nation on God. It's a tragic reality. They say a big draw for young people who have felt disenfranchised from young religion is the witchcraft movement. They say they can find healing and, quote, camaraderie in the witch community where anyone can do whatever they want to and it's accepted. See, what a whacked out view. There's no friendship in that. There's no honor in that. There's no morality in that. They say turbulent and or turbulent economic and political climates often provide a fertile breeding ground for such alternative spiritual movements. The pandemic amplified that trend, and many people were searching for meaning and order amid the frightening plague. Found that in witchcraft. A growing share of Americans, they say, over a quarter of adults now call themselves, quote, spiritual but not religious. And a 2017 Pew Research study also found that about 62% of Americans say they hold New Age beliefs. 62% of Americans hold New Age beliefs, folks. Including a belief in astrology, psychics, and the presence of spiritual energy in inanimate objects. In contrast to traditional religions that prohibit homosexuality and restrict, quote, leadership positions to straight men, Witchcraft allows those who felt marginalized by organized religions to now find acceptance. See, all you got to do is the witchcraft, folks, is everything that's mired in sin, embrace. That's what they're doing. You'll find a home here. Um, we all realize we're sinners, even members of Christ Church, but we're trying to overcome our sins. In this community or this world, they're embracing their sin. Yeah, while many witches say they used to avoid publicity for fear of discrimination and harassment, many say now they've grown more comfortable about coming out of the, quote, groom, broom conference to highlight, wow, the broom closet to highlight their beliefs. That in turn, they say, has drawn newcomers to the fold. Wow. But the sudden popularity, they say, has a downside. This one girl named Wilbur discovered witchcraft at age nine by reading witchcraft books and practicing witchcraft in secret for years. See what I mean? 
they grew their agenda in secret for years. Now they're coming out of the witch closet. While she's gratified that being a witch no longer carries the stigma that it once did, Wilbur worries that witchcraft has become too, quote, faddish. Instagram makes it look trendy and easy. But it's not trendy and easy, Wilbur said. But you do really have to put the reading and the work into it. You have to become knowledgeable. You can't just do to do a spell because you saw it on TikTok. Powerful and personal. This one witch was raised Presbyterian and always believed in spirituality, but didn't like the way Christianity portrayed humans as separate from the rest of nature. See where the environmentalist stuff comes in? Right? She was also disillusioned by the insistence by mainstream religions that it's the only way to access the divine. And if you don't do it right, you won't be saved. You won't be saved or, in other words, you'll be burned in hell. She didn't like that. After experiment with a variety of religions, she was drawn to Wicca. And 22 years ago, she, she became a witch. This is an experiential religion. Will you connect? directly with the deities without the help of an intermediary. See, they jettison the very idea of a mediator, Jesus Christ, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm telling you right now, if you study the atonement, you'll understand that only the Savior, Jesus Christ, who was the literal son of the true and only living God, had the power to overcome death and temper justice and mercy to save us all. He is the only way. They say we need to reclaim the word witch. Wow. Witches are not evil and we don't worship the devil, they claim. We work on manipulating energy toward a beneficial end. Now mother of three, this one witch says whenever she wears her pentagram necklace, a five-pointed star, nowadays she draws positive attention. Everybody loves it. People see it and tell me they're wicked too, she said. Wow, folks, this is scary stuff. Anyway, they say this uh, article appeared on NorthJersey.com. We're in the middle of a witch moment. Witchcraft is now hip and on the rise in the U.S., they say. Folks, let me just double down right now and say this. I understand that a lot of people are deceived. A lot of people have lost faith in Christ because they haven't been taught true religion. It is Jesus Christ versus Satan. There's no doubt about that reality check. But ladies and gentlemen, this is serious business, though. This is nothing to laugh at or play around. These Harry Potter books, these, uh, you know, whatever, Twilight series, vampire, whatever, this zombie apocalypse, you know, all this has new age doctrine in it. I'm telling you right now, don't die. Don't believe the lie. Don't fall for the satanic agenda. 
Read your scriptures, the Bible daily. Feast on the words of Christ. Get on your knees and pray. And I submit to you that through the Holy Spirit, God will let you know that he's there and that he loves you. There is no salvation in Satan. I'm going to say that again. There is no salvation in Satan, ladies and gentlemen. All there is is disappointment. All there is is betrayal, right? There is no salvation in Satan. Only sadness, disappointment, and misery. Nothing of value. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, nothing of value is there for you. I promise you. But I promise you that Jesus Christ loves you and is aware of you and your life individually. And the battle that took place in heaven is continuing on earth today, and it is Jesus Christ versus Satan. And it is my prayer, my humble prayer. I exhort you. I plead with you. I beg you to turn to Christ. Now, I'm going to point a, uh, paint a vision of the future for you coming up in the last segment of what life will be like if we, as a society, reject God Almighty and turn and embrace the enemy of all righteousness. It will be disaster. Liberty Roundtable Live. As a parent, is receiving a faith-based, character-focused education for your children difficult to find? Do you believe that godly principles should be a central component in your child's education? Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center, where heritage and responsibility instill character. For over 40 years, American Heritage School has been educating both hearts and minds, bringing out academic excellence. This is the school where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental, where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. With American Heritage School's Advanced Distance Education Program, distance is no longer an issue. With an accredited LDS-oriented curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade, your children can attend from anywhere in the world. American Heritage School will prepare your child for more than a job. It will prepare them for life. To learn more, visit American-Heritage.org. That's American-Heritage.org. As the United States boldly stepped forward in the glorious light provided by its new constitution in 1787, the nations of the earth were in awe of the newfound strength and hope of this free land. Today, the nation stands at a crossroads A divergence from the original intent put forth in the United States Constitution has brought grave threats to our beloved nation. A miracle is needed if the United States is to survive. That miracle is again the pure application of the United States Constitution. I'm Scott Bradley. In my To Preserve the Nation book and lecture series, I bring forth truths that will help raise up a new generation of statesmen like those noble Americans who founded this land. Vigorous application of these principles will invigorate and restore the nation, and we may become again the freest, most prosperous, most respected, and happiest nation on earth. Visit topreservethenation.com to begin that restoration. 
Back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. I'm telling you, there is no salvation in Satan. There's only bitterness, disappointment, discouragement, hatred, anger, sadness. Ladies and gentlemen, it makes me think of, I know my Redeemer lives. It's an affirmation and celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, ladies and gentlemen. Samuel Medley wrote this hymn, and it talks about the life of Jesus and the salvation he gives to mankind, ladies and gentlemen. I know that my Redeemer lives. What comfort this sweet sentence gives. He lives, he lives, who once was dead. He lives, my ever-living head. He lives triumphant from the grave. He lives eternally to save. He lives all glorious in the sky. He lives exalted there on high. He lives to bless me with his love. He lives to plead for me above. He lives my hungry soul to feed. He lives to help in time of need. He lives to grant me rich supply. He lives to guide me with his eye. He lives to comfort me when faint. He lives to hear my soul's complaint. He lives to silence all my fears. He lives to wipe away my tears. He lives to calm my troubled heart. He lives all blessings to impart. He lives my kind, wise, heavenly friend. He lives and loves me till the end. And he lives, and while he lives, I'll sing. He lives my prophet, priest, and king. He lives and grants me daily breath. He lives, and I shall conquer death. He lives my mansion to prepare. He lives to bring me safely there. He lives all glory to his name. He lives my Jesus still the same. Oh, joy this sweet sentence gives. I know that my Redeemer lives, ladies and gentlemen. This is what needs to be in our hearts. But, ladies and gentlemen, I'm predicting a dismal future if we embrace this, uh, in my opinion, hip witchcraft on the rise in America. If we embrace this, ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you right now that we will miracles will cease. Okay, miracles follow those who follow and believe in Christ. Miracles will cease. Sickness will be on the land. Natural and man-made catastrophes. Earthquakes. Storms. Fires. I can go on and on will become so commonplace uh, that we in our society will struggle to live and work and, and, and have normal lives. If we turn our back on Jesus Christ and embrace Satan, ladies and gentlemen, families will pull apart. Murder, sexual perversions, um, witchcrafts and sorceries will become the order of the day. The feeling of doom and gloom and despair and disappointment and discouragement will begin to take over. There is now no salvation in Satan, ladies and gentlemen, only sadness disappointment and misery but i know that my redeemer lives ladies and gentlemen and i beg each of us to contemplate our lives each of us to look at god as our salvation remember we are promised by god in the bible that if we turn to him and repent he will heal our land and protect us well, if you want sickness on the land rather than healing, 
and you want the lack of protection. I don't even know what word that would be. If you want to become vulnerable and not have protection, then we as a nation, if we embrace this, quote, hip witch moment, if we allow witchcraft to be on the rise in America and allow the next generations to embrace this, we are in trouble. Now, when I say allow, I realize that I can't stop people from worshiping how, where, what they may. I get it. But, ladies and gentlemen, we need to fight every battle. And we need to declare quickly, as for me and my house, I will follow the Lord. Okay? I will choose the Lord's side who. And we need to teach our children this fundamental principle. But as long as you allow your kids in the government school, it's going to be a losing battle for you, ladies and gentlemen. It's almost impossible to have your kids come out of the communist education system that's full of pagan doctrines, etc., and have your children come out intact as followers of Christ. It's almost impossible. Let me give you an example to make the point. There's a school district in Wisconsin. They just issued a memo telling their employees to not inform children I'm sorry, let me say this over. For children not to inform, let me start over. Let me just say this all all over again. I'm so sorry. A school district in Wisconsin has issued a memo now telling employees to not inform parents about their children coming out as transgender. So the school district is literally telling parents or children, don't tell your parents when you're coming out as transgender. We'll support you. We'll embrace you. We'll help you with this, but don't tell your parents because they might shut it down. Staff members are no longer required to seek parental consent prior to honoring students' requests to be called by their, quote, preferred name and or pronouns. Wow. This is one of the many reasons We are seeing sustained pushback at school board meetings, ladies and gentlemen, across the country. As parents are starting to get wind of this. But you literally have school districts now saying, look, you can come out as transgender, bisexual, whatever. We can call you a different name, different pronouns. Just We won't tell your parents, and we encourage you not to tell your parents either. Yeah, employees don't inform parents, says the memo. This is happening in your government schools, ladies and gentlemen. How satanic does it get? Believe it or not, parents defending education, director of outreach, her name is Erica Sanzi. She says that's the very reason. Hey, people, um, believe it or not, the only reason this child's in school is because of parental consent. She's right about that. And she's using that now to try to say that's why parents need to be told. But my response is that's why you don't give consent to the government schools in the first place, Erica. Right? Now, you heard about the Twix Halloween commercial that featured a transgender child in violence against opposers with cross-dressing, Satanism. They say Twix is one hell of a marketing pitch. Amen to that. Here's the next headline. In addition to the Twix commercial, now you have a Doritos commercial crossing the line with a new ad. An old man dies and finds gay lover in heaven. School board member, believe it or not, escorts young kids on field trip to gay bar. Community furious when pictures emerge. 
So you literally now have uh, government school board members taking kids to gay bars. And the only time the parents find out about it is when pictures emerge. Ladies and gentlemen, this is serious, serious business indeed. But there are people trying to fight back, and I commend them for doing so. This is an epic battle, the battle of the ages, ladies and gentlemen. Good versus evil. Right versus wrong. Headline says, Dad's on duty. Louisiana fathers fed out at school to prevent violence and mentor kids Shreveport Times. There hasn't been a fight on the Southwood High School campus in mid-September since dads got involved. That's good news, right? That's great news. And I appreciate dads on duty taking their God-given responsibilities as parents seriously. Shreveport, Louisiana. In an effort that started with one father's mission to stem violence at Southwood High School, they've started a movement that they hope will go to other campuses and across the country. The resulting, quote, dads on duty message has now gone viral on social platforms and social media outlets. We are coming out of concern and out of love, says high school dad Michael Lafitte. Dads on duty was formed in response to several fights at Southwood High School that left 23 students incarcerated. The city was overwhelmed by the number of fights that were taking place at the school, and these men then stepped up to the plate and said we needed to do something. They had a meeting after a big fight that got all these kids put in jail. And they were supposed to come up with an answer in a half hour, but it took over four hours, but they came up with this solution. Dad's on duty. They wanted a group of parents who they knew were active at the school and said, hey, what can we do to get in front of this thing? The answer? Well, a group of fathers that decided to go to school. They wanted to show a strong male presence on campus. I don't care how old you are, what size you are. It's something about seeing a man, a positive male figure, a father at the school. It'll make you straighten up and fly right, they say. So now more than 40 fathers began their journey. They get there at 7.30 a.m. And dads on duty have been showing up every single day to usher in students. They tried to take on the persona of cool uncles to the students. We're dealing with high schoolers, so they want to have fun. So we try to make them laugh. We try to be kind and cool to them. Okay, we need to be willing to listen to them. We need to be willing to be their friends. We have to respect them on that level by listening, but we don't have to cave to their whims. Once we listen to them, they will take instruction. That's really important. Since the arrival of Dads on Duty, they normally wear matching T-shirts with Dads on Duty logos. Students want approval from the dads, so they say, look, I got a belt on today. It's just the little things. But we're talking to them about life skills, about grooming, about self-respect. We're listening to our young people. And they are now have extended their patrol. They're there in the mornings. They're at lunch. And they're there after school. Their job is to parent, to lead by example. This is one of the most effective mentoring programs that I have seen up close and personal, says the Shreveport mayor. We'd like to help everyone see this vision by expanding the project. We need a strong foundation to expand all over the country. The Dads on Duty Project has attracted attention from across the United States. CBS covering the story last week. Good Morning America, The Washington Post, and People Magazine have all done their own stories. They've launched a GoFundMe page, and they hope to find fathers across the country that will help carry the ball. 
anyway, they're even partnering with their sheriff's office and the school superintendent on this thing. There's a lot of work that goes into this behind the scenes. These wonderful member, men are just a forefront. We're having a lot of conversations. The women are behind them. I am one of them. The main thing we all have in common is that we believe in the whole child, they say. Now, I commend them for their efforts. I think it's really good work. But ladies and gentlemen, I think it's a great idea, and I commend them for their work, but I don't think it's the answer. As they're not willing to really stand up as parents just yet and pull their kids out of school, it's the best thing we've got. But really, the answer is to yank your kids out of the government school, folks. But I commend the dads on duty. At least they're taking responsibility and doing something. I will say that. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to be involved in all aspects of our children's lives to make sure they gain a testimony of Jesus Christ and that they understand where the solutions are. That is in the Savior. No man get it to the Father but by Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Never forget that reality. I testify he lives. And I testify Christ is where the solutions are. We need to reject Satanism. There's nothing there for any of us. All I can tell you is it is about God, family, and country. And this radio talk show is going to quadruple down in defense of all things godly to the best of our ability. After all, we claim at the end of every show, God save the Republic of the United States of America.